Hello and welcome to this episode of Audio-Based Classics. I am your host, Aarons V. Felder. On this show, we re-listen to my favorite episodes of audio-based content from the past. I'm going to go through the entire catalog, uh, picking out my personal favorite episodes and replaying them. And after the episode, I'm going to give some thoughts about that episode and why it's special to me. Um, So, without further ado, the first episode of Audio-Based Classics, uh, we see a replay of the first episode I did with Courtney Newding Farrell, wherein she receives an unexpected call from her cousin. Hello? Linda, Linda! Oh, what? Samuel? That's right, it's me, Samuel. Hello, Linda. Oh! Hi! Hello, I know it seems a little strange me calling you out of nowhere in the middle of a Tuesday. It is strange. You haven't called me since, I think, Denise's bat mitzvah. I, yeah, well, I remember at Denise's bat mitzvah, I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, I had a little too much to drink. Yeah, what I meant to say is when you called me after Denise's bat mitzvah and you said, hey, when is Denise's bat mitzvah? And I said, you were there, you don't remember? Yeah, I know. It was. I was told I did a lot of shameful things that evening. Oh, it was a shame upon the whole community. It we were shamed. They're still talking about it. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, why do you think I don't? You know, haven't seen me at services in a long time. It's, I'm oh, embarrassed. Samuel. I don't want to show my face. Well, there's some people at Beth Shalom that would welcome you back with open arms, but there's other people, like you know. David. Yeah, David. Who is very, very upset still to this day. Yeah, no. I mean, do you still talk about me? Does he ever talk about me? Does he ever say he misses me? Uh, he doesn't. He does talk about you. He doesn't say he misses you. Oh, uh, come on. I always mention you. I always mention you, Samuel, because you're a very important cousin to me. Yeah, and and you know he I've just, always... his face turns purple. Yeah, but I love your brothers, and I love you. You're all family, you know? And it's like, I mean, I know I know. Frank loves me. So it's like, I would just wish everybody was on board. Yeah, well, you know, not everyone inherited the forgiveness gene. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, I was doing that Ancestry.com. Yeah. I was doing that Ancestry.com, and uh, it turns out that our great-great-grandmother was uh, the town whore in Kashmirju. In Kashmirju. Why would you tell me this? Well, that sh- you know, That our grandmother was a whore? I mean, why wouldn't I you want to know? I don't even like know? you saying that. Can't you class that up a little bit? 
she she was a there's a record she owned a brothel so oh, she wasn't well, no no uh, hey now uh, wait a minute owned yeah, owned well I, it's this unclear is maybe she about. was a manager she owned it yeah, I mean, I, she she was in some sort of management position over the other whores, but she probably started as a whore. Well, how did you find this out? Would you see a name on some checks on a deed for property? Or? It was uh, it it was actually a, a certificate from the village leader of Kashmirju honoring her for her service to the community via you know the muff. Oh my god, this explains why your father was so upset when I ran into him at the haberdashery. <laughs> well, you know, he's very... He gets in a certain mind when he's at the haberdashery. He's all business. Yeah, well, when I saw him at the haberdashery, he was selling his hats. It made me sad. He went to the haberdashery to sell his hats? That's right. <sighs> I mean, he could just put them on Facebook Marketplace. That's I what I do. I think your father knows how to use Facebook Marketplace. Oh. I barely know how to use Facebook Marketplace. All right, enough about the family. I don't want to talk about the family anymore. You don't you want know, to talk about the family. It, I can't believe. I can't believe I had to call you. It gives me agita. What do you mean you, you can't believe you had to call me? I had to call you to find out that that uh, that my great great grandmother was a owned a uh, a, a brothel. Well, I mean, for that time, I'm sure it was a it it was a liberating position. I mean, you had, like I said, management. Manage. Uh, it's yeah. a it's an evergreen yeah, economy. You know, sure. yeah. At least she owned the place. She ran the joint. Yeah. Right? I mean, I th- I I I can't go back in time in a time machine to Kashmirju. Though I would love to. I would love to as well. Yeah. See, well, I don't know if I'd want to see. I mean, just in case. You know, well, what if you didn't know it was be, her? And you stopped you in for a tug. I would a ask tug her. job. I would ask her. I'd go, what's your name? What's your last name? Mm-hmm. Well, she, of course, has a different last name. What do you mean? Well, it's, uh, you know, because she's a woman... And, uh, you yeah. know, it was her maiden name. Her maiden name. Now it's... Like, I I'd already told you I don't want to talk about the family anymore. What's your deal? Why are you calling me? What's up with you? I, uh, I'm in jail. What? I need you to come pick me up from jail. What? First of all, we've already been talking, what, ten minutes now? That's generous with this I phone call uh, allotment. Well, yeah. Good grief. There's nobody else here. It's just me and this one Well, cop. you really buried the lead on this one. Yeah, Why are you well, in jail? I'm a embarrassed. What, what did you do? I, uh, Is it the drinking again? No. Uh, it's not, well, I mean, maybe. But I didn't get arrested for drinking. If, I mean, what the drinking led to. I, I might have caused a bit of a ruckus and tried to steal some food from a Panda Express. Okay. Like like a dine and dash? You didn't just go in the kitchen and, and say, Hey, chef, I did not look just, over there. I didn't you just, just grab walk the food. in and go in the kitchen, no. 
Okay, so you ordered it and then tried to get away without paying. No. I ordered it. I saw the cook in the back. And I was like, what is this guy doing? And then I started arguing with the cashier, and he's trying to help somebody else. And I'm like, yeah, but this is, we're in the middle of something. we got to stop this before it gets too far. And then I'm doing it right. Then I'm cooking my food right. I like my chicken to be cooked a certain way. And then, and you know, I might. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. I, couldn't, I was watching my chicken get ruined. So I went behind the counter, and I moved. I, I, maybe I pushed the guy a little hard. He, he fell down. I think he was being a little dramatic. And I started cooking my own chicken. And then I put it in a box and I tried to leave. Okay. Well, then you weren't stealing the labor because You're you right. were providing I wasn't that yourself. Labor. I wasn't stealing labor. But now they're saying assault. Assault because you pushed the chef? Because I pushed the chef. Is it a chef? It's a Panda it's Express. A, no. Can no, when you were, okay, chefs? you said Panda Express, and I was thinking of that P.F. Chang's, which oh, is another, nice then I would place. say chef. That's a nice place. Then I would say, whoa, buddy, how'd you even get in that kitchen? When I go to P.F. Chang's, I spring for the appetizers. You spring for the appetizers. I spring for the appetizers. Well, I get the, I like the little, um, uh, what do you call it? I like the dim sum. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. You don't. With that's filling, just like a real Chinese it, restaurant. You like dip it. That's authentic. Yes. It's a, it's a good pea of You Chinese. dip. You know what I like is the Peking duck because the Peking duck. It's a little greasy. Oh, not if not if they do it right. Yeah, I guess. I and, guess. But it comes in a little sandwich. They make a sandwich for you. That's a Peking duck sandwich, like a yes. Vietnamese banh mi. I don't know what that is. Samuel, it's but it's a sandwich. Okay, it's, on French bread. it's a sandwich. Okay, on, that sounds like baguette. it would abrade the roof of my mouth. These, it's you know high. about the the my mouth. I know what you mean. It's very sensitive. I can't have crunchy or pointy foods. Right. That's why I like the Peking duck mm-hmm. sandwich buns because they're so soft. Mm-hmm. They're like memory foam. Yep. Just like my. Uh, my Dr. Scholl's. It's like eating my Dr. Scholl's inserts. It's so spongy. And then you put the meat in there and they give you a plum. It's made oh, out of plum, a plum jam and some oh. some of those green onions or spring onions. Oh my God, this sounds fantastic. So many names for that one vegetable. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyway, now I'm hungry. Now I want to go to P.F. Chang's. Do you remember when we went to that pho restaurant and you ordered pho and it came out and it was steaming and you made them put it in the freezer for 10 minutes? No, I don't remember that. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. I don't know any pho rest. Why would I go to a fake restaurant? It's a kind of soup. It's a kind of... I know I I've eaten soup with you literally hundreds of times. Yeah, you know I always order deli. soup. I always order soup because it feels good on in my mouth. It feels it's soothing, good in your mouth. but it can't be too hot because it's too hot. It if it's too hot, it burns the tender skin right off my mouth. So yes, I do recall saying the soup is too hot. You need to just put it in the freezer. Put it in the freezer. Because that's what I do when Milton makes my soup because he always makes it too hot. So I tell him, please put it in the freezer. How's Mil- <sighs> How is Milton? 
Oh, Milton. Hold on, let me take a drink. I'm, this makes me thirsty talking so much. I can't believe you're just sitting in this jail just chatting it up. Yeah, you know, well, they let did me. Did you slip them? Did, did you bribe them? No. When they arrest you and they take your wallet out of your pants, they take all your cash anyway. Yeah, but you could say, like, uh, like Game of Thrones. Remember when the, the little guy... You know, no, the, the I, uh, little guy, and he's like, oh, I'll give you my father's gold. I don't have it right now. No, it was a little, uh, kind of, you could say I uh, Mark Twained him a little bit. Like, I, uh, first I'm not I, familiar with that First reference. I offered him a coupon, you know, for for my laundromat. And then uh, they said no to that. So I, what I did is I just started talking to them. Just through the bars, I just started talking to them. Uh-huh. And I talk, you know me, I talk and talk and talk yeah, and talk. And I was I'm, talking about all these minutiae things. I was asking about all the little things I could see on their desk and about their uniforms and, and yeah, about arrest procedures. Mm-hmm. And I was asking about the cell I'm in. And eventually they were like, just call somebody. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, that's how you, that's why you've been married so many times, is you know how to charm people. I like talking. You like talking. And you know that. That's how you get people to like you is to ask them questions because they want to talk about themselves. It's true. People like talking about themselves. And then you know, they run out of stuff and you start asking them questions and they're like, hey, I told you already. And then they get mad at you. Well, that's why you got to be a good listener. You can't. And right. that's why you can't be drunk when you do it because you're going to ask the same questions over and over. And that's why you've been divorced so many times. I don't think I got divorced because I got drunk. Oh. <laughs> Your wives were always getting so irritated at you because they'd say, Samuel, I've already told you this. You've asked me that question a thousand times. It's not that I, I mean, yeah, I'm drunk, right? But I remember interesting things when I'm drunk. Maybe So it's it's our fault that we're not interesting enough. How is it your fault? I'm saying any, from the point of view of the person, from the point of view of the person that is talking to you. You, you don't mean remember my wife's? what we say because my wife's <laughs> fault? Is it my wife's fault? That's I. That's why I feel what you're saying. Yeah, it is my <laughs> wife's fault. I feel like we lost. What were you asking? You were asking me about Milton. Yeah, how is Milton? Well, you won't. Bl- Milton has cancer. What? <sighs> what kind? Oh, some little piddling kind that's what just, do you mean? he's complaining way little too much about for what kind. kind of cancer. What stage is it in? It's cancer. It's, it's stage three. Stage three? It's not even stage four. That's bad. It's just a, th- that's not, it's, it's worse than stage on one. It's a spot on his nose. It's a spot on his it's nose. It's on his nose. Yes. He's got a tumor on his nose? It's, yeah. Is it skin cancer? Melanomas. Skin cancer? Yes. Yes. I told him. I told him all the whenever we're on vacation, and he's like, "I'm gonna go to the beach. I love the ocean." And every time I go, "You're gonna regret it. You should stay here on the deck, stay here on the deck under the umbrella, sit in a chair with your mm-hmm. wife." And he's like, "No, I want to swim in the ocean. I want to touch a crab. I want to you know you, you see him. He goes out there with the nets. He gets his own fish, and then he cooks the fish for dinner. He makes it. Yeah, that's then, why he, I was so now he's got the skin cancer. Attracted to him." Because he's, he's a doer, he's a provider. He is a doer. He's an adventurer. He's a great man. He's, he's a mensch. He, he is a mensch. He's a mensch. 
but he's an idiot too. He's a schmuck because I he told him if he's gonna yeah. be out schlepping around in the tide pools to just put some zinc on his nose, but he said that he felt like he was wearing makeup. Yep. That's how and much of a man he was. He wouldn't wear sunscreen makeup. because it was makeup. Oh my god. It says, oh, it's so thick and it's white and, and or, or it's pink. Sometimes I yeah. had the pink kind. Ridiculous. Remember how, how your dad would go out there just covered head to toe in sunscreen? Oh, yeah. Like he looked like a white ghost of just like a floating swimsuit running down the beach. He did. He looked like a little cotton ball bobbing Ridiculous. above the water. But he was one of the first... I mean, that that generation to wear sunscreen, I mean, yeah. people that age, you know, they didn't think anything could hurt him. They didn't yeah, think well, about cancer, but he, you know, he was a scientist. Good he thing was he a, did. He was a scholar, so he knew. Yeah. And that's why he lived to be 104, God bless him. Yeah, that's fantastic. But Milton, oh my God, I'm <sighs> so sorry. Yeah. What do you? What is he going to do? Well, uh, he's just going to bitch and moan, apparently. I mean, he's acting like it's the end of the world. But, uh, you know, he's got a, a, meeting, a, a meeting with us, doctor. You know, Dr. Taub. Yeah. I mean, he's great. He I is mean, great. He's, he's, he's a boy of Beth Shalom. Mm -hmm. We've seen him grow up. He drives he's a Porsche. Preeminent. Oh, his Porsche. It's just, oh, I just don't know when he's going to get married. Well, it's why, ridiculous. Why would he? Because he could, he, because when you reach that pinnacle of success, you need to have a legacy. He can you afford need to, pass to have that a different woman every night of, of the week. Course. I'm not saying he can't womanize, but I'm saying he needs to start a family. Settle and down. He, he could have the most beautiful wife like... Like a like a like a Trump wife, like a I Melania. Know. I heard that when he dies, he's given all of his money to the Jewish Federation. Are you telling me you want that money to Dr. go to Taub some kid? Is going to do that? Yeah. Are you telling me you want that money to go to some kid? Uh, well, now you've put me in a predicament because you know that money be go to good use. I mean, you know, I think that people should have children. I think Jewish people should have children. Of, of course. course. We have to make up for lost time. Uh, yeah, it's true. And, you know. We need to replenish. And uh, too many of us are leaving the faith or not oh. finding love. You know, this happens. Secular ones just kill me. Well, you know, it's a tantalizing world we live in. They just, they just, you know, keep the the names for the exoticism, you know, to be different and cool and hip. Nobody wants to be a wasp now, which is great. Yeah. I love it. People but, barely you know, want to be Catholic. But, you know, they're not doing the work. <laughs> That's right. It's true. Yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, it doesn't mean much anymore other than I'm not a Christian. I mean, you know, the last time I've been to a bris. Come on. When? When? When was oh, the last God. time? God, it might have been 1984. 1984. Yeah. My God. I'm, nobody's having time. babies. No one's 
Cutting their wee-wees. Yeah, well, they are. They're just doing it in the hospital. They don't want to do That's it in front true. of a crowd like they used to. When well, I yes. at my bris, there was 150 people in attendance. I'm proud of this. Oh. I'm not embarrassed. Yes. That's that's a huge display of importance. Yeah, of all the world knows. It's like you're a little prince. That's right. Everyone needs to see your wee wee. Yeah. It's what it's hey. basically when you become a man hey, as hey, a baby. Hey. What? It's, it's cops telling me I gotta get off the phone. Oh. I, will you come pick me up? Uh, where exactly? Yes, but uh, how long? I mean, uh, Jeff Jeffrey's County Jail. Oh, and I need you to come as soon as possible. What were you doing over there? I was at the Panda Express. There's a Panda Express in Murphy's County. I know, I know, but I, I, uh, I just uh, not allowed. You thought that Panda Express would be better? I'm not allowed in that Panda Express anymore. Oh, God. So this is not the first time. Why just, is there all these things I don't know about your life? I, because I'm embarrassed. <sighs> I, it's, I've never been in jail before for for this particular thing. But but I need you to come, and I need you to bring $10,000. $10,000? For, for taking out a plate of Kung Pao chicken at Panda Express? That's ridiculous. That plate must have cost well, $8. It's true, but the, the chef, when he fell over, he flailed his arms around like an idiot and he hit a pan that was sitting on the stove and then it might have burned it might have fell and burned him oh my god so now he's got he's gonna sue you you're gonna get sued good thing you don't have any children i mean no one to bear the burden of your debts when you die it's what a terrible thing to say Well, I'm just trying to look on the bright side. Good thing I don't have children. Well, I mean, you know, we just talked about this. I always wanted you to, but geez, I mean, you're kind of making a mess of it. Second Panda Express incident. Look, I love you, Samuel, but I you need to generous. (laughs) See, you at least this is let this first time in jail be your last. Okay, unless well, you join the police academy, but I think you're too like, old. Like I said, this is my first time in jail for this particular oh type of incident. Oh my god! Well, let th- you need to take this as a lesson because I do have ten thousand oh, dollars. Thank God! Thank God! Because of Milton and oh his my god. investments. Thank God! Thank but, you, Milton. You know. Thank Milton for me. We're going to have to get you on some kind of a payment plan, Samuels. I mean, we we uh, we were planning on using that money to invest in a, a new waffle business that I think is really going to... I think it has potential. A new waffle business? No, waffle. Waffle. Oh. I thought this time you were admitting it was awful from the get-go. God bless it. (laughs) Samuel. (laughs) Your japes really uh, cut to the core when you're asking me for $10,000. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. No, Waffles, it's actually a business where uh, they take kids off the street. They take the at-risk youth. 
and the at-risk youth uh, man trucks that that are converted airstreams. Did I say no trucks? You know, food truck trailer what have you. So they drive these around and they make Belgian waffles. They make Belgian waffles. Yes, you know that food trucks are very hot, very hot. They can go anywhere, anywhere the action is. Ah, a Belgian waffle food truck. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let me ask you something. You thought about serving chicken with the waffles? A little chicken and waffles. I mean, we're just we're just angel investors. That's the plan. How we are didn't you gonna come up have with a, the concept? How are you gonna have a food truck selling a breakfast item, and you choose the German waffle over a bagel? Okay. Are you, you kidding me with this? First Is of the all, truck a Volkswagen? German, Belgian. Okay, Belgian. Where's Belgium? Belgium is, is between Germany and France. Hey, I don't so... know how you don't know about the geography of Western Europe after everything our people have been through. This is ridiculous. You said it's between Germany and France. Our great, great, great I know grandmother Western... was from Kashmirju oh. in Poland. Yeah, yeah, in the east. I know about the east. I don't know anything. <sighs> I don't know anything west of Germany. And then your grandmother was from Belarus. <laughs> But you know that. Yeah, I already knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where was where was? Uh, she was a typist. Where was the a typist? Yeah, must have been t- one of the a first. Typewriter. typewriter. One of the first she must have been. Oh yeah, yeah. Or at least uh, when they employed women. Oh yeah, well you know she, we it's it's a family of women trailblazers mm. in our lineage. The it's men true. Were, Useless. They didn't I did, do come anything, on. Which probably Don't say explains that. a lot. That's Don't why say I had that. to. Yeah. We're not all useless. Are you saying your two brothers are useless? Yes, they're useless. Frank? Yes. Frank is useless. <sighs> Frank. I mean, you think selling used cars really contributes to culture and society at large? Last year he bought a Tesla. But he sells those beaten down Camaros. And you know he does the things with the the messing with the odometers and the That's just to make it more marketable. People are stupid. They think he can't buy a car the older mileage, but he gets it fixed up real nice and then he puts the he odometer. He doesn't fix it up, he's a liar. He p- puts the odometer at what uh at what the, the car really represents in its soul, you know? Oh, like you that's nonsense. You know, like you 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 you're sixty years old, but you feel forty five, right? Am I right? Your of course I do. I feel so 25. You, you wouldn't be lying if you changed your odometer to say 45 if you had an odometer. Uh, if I had an odometer, yes, I would change it. But I'm also not selling my body to anyone else unlike a great, great, great grandmother in Kashmir. She wasn't you. selling her body. She was selling other people's bodies. I think, oh, you tell me. She that was selling other people's bodies. The madam isn't also. No, of course not. How could they manage the business? Well, you know, the the high dollar clients that want to be with a businesswoman. Wouldn't you rather be with a businesswoman of a certain age who had authority and respect in the community rather than some 
syphilis-ridden young girl. No. No, you would choose the syphilis. I would choose the young this, girl. I'm understanding, you know, I'm understanding your whole life path I, now. I wouldn't choose syphilis. I mean, you don't know they have syphilis when you go in there. Well, you know, you, you they put on rose-colored glasses because they know what the they potential is. They put on rose-colored glasses? The, the Johns. The mocks. How do you know? What do you know? I watch a lot of movies. Watch a we lot have of movies. HBO. Come on. I don't put on no glasses. Half of HBO's programming is just about prostitutes. Well, they don't show all of it though. They show. They show. That's why know. Milton is always watching the TV. You know, he's very uh he's he's Gets very blue at our house. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's a dirty boy. Did he ever tell you about that time I brought him to that strip club? No. He told me he'd never been to a strip club. I told him to a strip club. You did? Well, what? When was this? Uh, this is maybe uh, right around twelve years ago. We were in Cincinnati. For uh, a third cousin's son's bar mitzvah. Do you remember this? Uh-huh. We were staying there. We were, at the, uh-huh. we were all hanging out at the hotel that weekend. We had nothing to do. It was mm-hmm. raining. So I said, hey, let's go yes. out. And, and I then stayed he went out home with because me. I had yeah, the, you stayed at the, hotel. the hernia. That's right. He went out with me and then I got him to go to a show club. Well, how did he behave? He was real good. He didn't object to anything. And he uh, promised not to tell any, not to tell everybody about what. He didn't object to anything. What the hell does that that. mean? That means I would suggest things and he wouldn't say no. Such as what? You know. Like like watching the ladies dance? He said, yes, I will watch the ladies dance and take off their clothes. He didn't say no. And then, you know, I was like, let's get a private room with one of them. What? And then I was like, let's let's give a uh, $150 and the key to our hotel room. To my hotel Samuel! room. Samuel! What? Milton! Milton! What? Yes, honey? What is Samuel talking about? You got a private room with a stripper! No. In Cincinnati! What? That's ridiculous. I, I would never spring for such a thing. You know that. I'm very tight with my money. Samuel, I can't believe you did that. Did what? What did you do in there? What did you do in that room? I had sex with a woman. What? Yeah, what? You had sex and, and Milton was just there watching? No. I think that made him uncomfortable. So he turned on the television and he was watching the television. Ah. Oh. Well, that's a relief. He didn't... He didn't... Did he? He did go to the bathroom once during... And I gotta tell you, that I did think that's Did he take about rude. six minutes? Yeah. Okay. Then he, I, then he was probably... I mean, give or take. I wasn't counting. I was having sex. Well, he was probably just pooping then. Yeah. He was I, probably just it, having a BM. That's what I thought. Which is what I was going to say. I think that's rude. 
Well, if he had been in there for three minutes, then I would know that he was... Urinating? He was stooping himself. Stooping himself? Yes. You think he got turned on by me having sex with a stripper? I don't think it was you. I'm sure it was the woman. Was she voluptuous? I mean... Did she have a nice bosom? She had a nice bosom. Well, he loves a nice bosom. All right, that's gross. You're the, that's gross. You're the one who had sex right in front of him. That's disgusting. <laughs> and you're telling me that she didn't try to have sex with him? He didn't touch her at all? Of course she did. She's trying to get everybody's money. She doesn't oh, just want my God. money. She wants his money. So now you're telling me not only did he go to a strip club, but uh-huh. engaged in prostitution. No, he, he well... I mean... Did he have sex with that woman or not? No. No. Milton! What? Milton! What? Did you have sex with that woman in Cincinnati? What woman in Cincinnati? I swear to God I will leave you if you're lying to me. I don't care how long we've been together. Lying I will sue what? you for divorce and I will get everything. What are everything. you talking about? Is I... this about the juice again? The juice? Yeah. No, this is not about the juicer that you broke putting in a whole head of celery in there. I'm talking about the stripper. I want juice. I told you to just go go get the Dr. Brown celery at the deli. You don't have to make your own. It's uh, too expensive. (sighs) Wanted to make my own juice. I swear to God, I'm going to leave you and I'm never going to visit your grave. What? And I'm going to sell my plot next to you. I'll buy a new juicer. This is not about the juicer. This is about you cheating on me in Cincinnati. Cheat on you? Have we even been to Cincinnati? Oh, my God. I can't do this anymore, Samuel. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I think don't, don't be so hard on me. It's cancer. He didn't have sex. He He has a spot on his nose. He did not have sex with that woman. You said it's stage three. He did not have sex with that woman. She tried. I said she. She was like, "Hey, I could do you too. I'll give you a discount because you're so handsome." She said, and he turned the volume up on the television. And then she she got up and got next to him, you know, and then he was like, I could see him get a little tense. And and then, you know, she started touching him and rubbing his chest and whispering things in his ear and maybe putting her tongue on his ear or nibbling his earlobe. And then she, you know, put put her hand in his pants and, you know, but he never, he never paid her any money. Oh, so we just got some touches for free. He yeah. is, that's it. But I'm no, going to see the lawyer. He didn't want to do any of this. She was making him uncomfortable, I could tell. Well, that is no excuse. I mean, what's he supposed Being to do? Being uncomfortable and just sitting there and What's he supposed groped? to do? Leave. Leave? He couldn't leave. Why couldn't he leave? Because I had the one key card, and we had given it to the prostitute. And then, you know. You know, this is he very would have had upsetting. To have touched her. The key card was in her underwear. He would have had to touch the underwear. Oh. So he couldn't leave. Yeah. He couldn't leave. 
What can I tell you? But he, I thought he was very strong. I thought you would have been happy about this. He didn't sleep with her. He could have slept with her. <sighs> he could have slept with her. I'm sure he, he just didn't because you were there. And, you know, he's very, oh, has performance come on. anxiety. Oh, you know Milton's not like that. Oh, you can't, you can't even watch him. You know I won't, the he won't even let eye. me be in the bathroom when he's taking a whiz. He won't because he feels watched and judged and he gets performance anxiety. And same with his, yeah, when we make love. So what, you think that wouldn't happen with a stranger that he's paying money for? I saw him pay for a roast beef sandwich, $4, and then he spent the whole time going, this isn't, this isn't good enough, I, can't, I, can't. I feel like this sandwich is just won't. And you see what I'm saying? And that's $4. And he's like, it's not worth the money, it's not worth the money, it's not worth the... Well, that I can completely understand. That's a terrible feeling when you've paid $4 for a sandwich. Can you imagine him with a prostitute? Terrible. He'd be well, the whole time. Well, it sounds like it was... He'd be like, ugh, I, I didn't have a coupon. I, there was no discount here. I'm paying full price for this. This is ridiculous. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. I know he yes, was nervous. Yes, he's very I could tell, smart with his money. I but could tell he wanted to leave because he came so fast. What? When she put his, her hand in his pants. Oh, my... Milton! What? You came on that stripper's hand. I I mostly came in my underwear. Oh God, I'm divorcing you. No, honey, I didn't know how to leave. You're a liar and a cheat. I just didn't know how to leave. You've disgraced my home and me and our children. No, (laughs) come on, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't know how to leave the situation. It was very oh, uncomfortable. Oh, go die of cancer. Oh. <laughs> Samuel, thank you very much. You've ruined I, my life. I know. I need you. I still need you to come pick me up and bring $10,000. God damn it, Samuel. Fine. All right. I'll see you in a little bit. Thank you. No. All right. So, um. First, uh, I know Courtney because uh, through Third Coast Comedy Club, but um, particularly because we were cast to be in this show, Leon. And um, Dan Farrell put this show together. And it was a uh, long form show that Dan came up with. And uh, it was it was a pretty experimental show, but it was... Also, at the same time, it wasn't too far outside of anything that would be familiar to people that do long form. And it was the first show that I was really got to be a part of regularly. And then immediately after that, uh, Courtney started a show called Soap Opera. Maybe it wasn't immediately after that, but it was pretty soon after. Uh, she started a show called Soap Opera, and I was got asked to be a part of that, too. And then, um, out of that, Dan Farrell started the lab, uh, and me and Courtney were both part of the lab from the beginning. And, uh, the lab was incredibly fun because we, uh, made our own forms. Well, mostly Dan made forms, but, uh, we got to make forms and then perform them, perform them, uh, I think weekly at first. 
And then maybe like every other week or once a month, something like that. Uh, not a lot of people came out, but um, we had a really good time doing it. And it was, I think everybody involved in the lab would agree that uh, it was incredibly formative. That um, there was a, a lot of growth going on in that show among uh, all of us. Uh, I, I know I think of it quite a bit and uh, all of the things I, I learned in that show. And um, I really cherish my experience with the lab and uh, Courtney was a big part of that. All right, so on to this particular episode. <laughs> um, it was funny, immediately after we stopped recording the episode, uh, Courtney was like, I don't know why I made my character Jewish. Uh, <laughs> she just made the choice, and then pretty much she had to stick with it because she made that choice. Um, and I, I'm Jewish, but uh, Courtney is not. And so uh, I had a lot of fun kind of watching her try to uh, try to be like respectfully authentic if that makes any sense like play into it but not over not go overboard um, play into it without being stereotypical uh, and it was it was fun because seeing somebody that doesn't have these like reference points uh, try to like build the artifice of them can be a, a source of humor in and of itself. And I think some people might say that a person should never play somebody that's of an identity that they don't aren't part of or don't understand. And I, I would disagree with that and push back on that a little bit. Um, I think it, it really all comes down to how you do it. And I think that's true of pretty much any lesson that anybody's going to learn in improv is that it comes down to how you do it. Uh, you can do something respectfully and you can do something disrespectfully. I don't think Courtney was disrespectful at any point in there. I mean, uh, when she was talking about the divide within the Jewish community, I mean, she didn't get that quite right, but that's a pretty nuanced thing, I think, even for uh, Jews to really grapple with. So um, I don't expect anyone to. But... Um, I thought uh, when she told me she hadn't planned on it and it just kind of came out, I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad it did. You know, I thought it made um, it made the scene rich. And I like playing Jewish characters. Uh, it's there's a language to it and there's an understanding and there's an attitude. And, um, you know, there's personality traits that exist within all cultures. However, all cultures have different ways of approaching these character traits. So it's, um, it can be, it can always be fun and interesting. I also think, um, in improv, you make, you have to make a choice in a moment and then you have to live by that choice. You have to sit in that reality that you create. And she made that choice. Uh, it it wasn't really a conscious choice. And in improv, a lot of choices are not conscious choices. If you allow your consciousness to be in the driver's seat, 
in improv, that can often be the death of improv, right? Because when you're too conscious, you become self-conscious. And you're not present, right? If you're analyzing things and judging your own choices and second-guessing yourself, then you're not making decisions and you're not being present with your cast members and driving the scene forward, which is what needs to happen. At the end of the day, you have to, you have to be there and you have to make a decision. And um, I think anything that stifles that decision is, uh, is bad for improv, in my opinion. I think you have to be free to make any decision that you might make and say anything that you might say and go anywhere you might go because you're making a decision in a moment. And when you're pressured to say something in a moment and then stick by it and live by it, I don't, I don't think it's fair to put a lot of judgment uh, on that. Right. And in improv classes, we often talk about not judging, not judging each other's choices, not judging our own choices. Um, because that judgment is, is poison. That judgment, um, takes you out of it and makes it very hard to get back, get back in to a scene. So you make a decision and you live by that decision. And I think we all need to cut each other slack about those decisions. We should all try to practice non-judgment and we should all try to practice acceptance. I don't think anyone I've ever played with had any malicious intent with their improv choices. And I've been in some scenes that would be questionable to an outsider, right? But um, I don't think, I think you, you have to, if you're going to play with people, you know, you want to be free to play, so you need to let them be free to play. And you have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. We all need to give each other the benefit of the doubt and allow each other to play. Um, but I thought the uh, I thought we found the game of the scene really when she asked why I was calling and I said I was calling from jail. Um, and then she kind of named the game right away when she said that I was bearing the lead. Uh, and then we, we kind of picked this up again. Um, I feel like we did play it three times, as uh, some people say. Oh, and I guess I should say, when, we, when I say we found the game... Um, if you take improv classes enough and study long form improv, you're eventually going to find the concept of finding the game, which is essentially, um, identifying that weird thing, that thing, that first weird thing that makes this scene different. What makes this different and worth showing the audience? And then you can play that game. You can heighten the game. You can make it, um, more weighty or more important or funnier or what have you. So anyways, so I, I initially say, Oh, well I'm in jail and I buried the lead. We had this whole chit chatty, uh, conversation 
a seven and a half minute conversation before I even say the reason I'm calling is I'm in jail. And then we continue to talk more. I ask about her husband. We diverge, talk about something totally unrelated to her husband. Then when we finally get back to her husband and I go, yeah, how is he? She says, oh, he has cancer. So then she buried the lead as well. Um, and then, uh, Again, later, when um, we're talking about sex with her husband, and I mentioned that me and him went to a strip club at the very end of the episode. And then I, I, I keep making this story worse and worse. Like, I bury the lead time and time again. I, I bury the lead that we asked the stripper back to our hotel room. Like, it's not... Once you do that, you didn't just go to a strip club. <laughs> Um, I would characterize it uh, quite a bit differently than that. And then I bury the lead again as to her husband's involvement um, with this sex worker, right? So uh, burying the lead, in my opinion, is essentially the game of that episode. And then I felt like at the very end when... um, You know, we're going through this strip club story. At first, uh, Courtney's character starts asking her husband about it. And he deflects by saying, is this about the juicer? And um, at first, I was just being, you know, trying to be funny and making it uh, like, oh, he, he doesn't hear. He's so, this thing is so far off his radar and consciousness. Like, it's not important. It's not a big deal. And he he thinks she's just mad about the last thing they fought about, which is like this juicer or whatever. Um, But then at the very end, when she confronts him with a detail, he immediately responds, oh, it was really my pants, not her hand. Which confirms that he he knows exactly what she's talking about. He he knows the (laughs) exact event and... um, uh, and and he was he was deflecting with the juicer, and in a way, I felt uh, when I was re-listening to this that this was this was extra nice because, in a way, it's him also bearing the lead, right? He knows this took place, and he didn't say anything, and he um, used the juicer as like sort of cover, burying the the more important and clear focus of the conversation. And so it, it felt like a, a, a good tag and a great way to end the episode. So I was really happy about the way that turned out. And then, uh, there's a couple things in the episode. I engage in storytelling on, uh, more than one occasion, um, which is something in, in improv classes, you'll hear teachers, um, discourage you from engaging in storytelling and I, th- I think it's true for the most part, you know, to avoid storytelling. <laughs> uh, I'm, I storytell a lot, uh, and I'll get to that. But um, generally, the, the issue with storytelling is that you're diverging focus away from what you're doing and onto something that the audience isn't even experiencing. Uh, I think it's a bit different in podcasts. Because it's an audio-only 
medium. So no matter what, the audience is just listening to people talk. So whether or not those people are telling a story is uh, a bit less crucial. Like I understand on stage, if you're telling a story, then that's all you're doing is telling a story and people are just forced to kind of listen to you and it can turn the uh, other cast members into a bit of a captive audience. Uh, I storytell a lot, and I think I storytell a lot because I'm I storytell a lot just uh, as a person. Uh, I think um, when storytelling and improv, uh, it's it's good at least to be conscious of your uh, cast members and the people you're playing with. Um, in in this episode, I'm I'm pretty bad about that actually. Uh, you'll notice there are times where Courtney is trying to speak and I'm speaking right over her. When I'm listening back to this, I'm like, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, uh, oh, I don't like that. But at the same time, it is somewhat true to the character I'm portraying. But it's also like, uh, I don't like that. Um, I personally am so similar to this character <laughs> in that way. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, there's also, uh, I noticed... I said this thing in this episode, and I wonder if it's the first time I say it, because it's this huge pet peeve of mine. Um, whenever I say, what do you mean to the person in an improv scene, that is horrible improv. That is the worst. What do you mean? It's just me having absolutely nothing and just wanting them to get, I'm just saying, hey, give me more. Give me more because I don't have it. Uh, and that's, that is crap. And I just want you to know, like, I, I recognize that I said, what do you mean in probably all first hundred episodes of the show? <laughs> and sometimes many times in an episode. Um, but I want you to know every time I say it, uh, please imagine me at home listening to it and just hating myself. Because that's, that's what's going on. I hate that I do it. It's really bad. And I've made a conscious effort to stop. Uh, and I, I don't know how successful I've been. Um, I think I've been pretty good. I don't think I've said it in a while. Uh, but uh, keep your ears out. Because if I say it, ooh, I don't like it. I don't like it either, is what I'm saying. One of the moments in this episode that uh, I felt was really special was when me and Courtney both happened to say, of course, at the same time. It also felt like one of the most authentically Jewish moments of the show. We were both talking about the desire for more Jewish children to exist in the world. And then we both responded, of course, at the same time, that we both share this value. And... Um, it just seemed like a really perfect moment that solidified that we were on the same page. Not that what we were talking about was particularly interesting or anything, but uh, it's always nice as an improviser when you have those moments where you know, you know that you and this person are in sync with each other. All right. So um, I'm going to do this again. Uh, basically every other week since I'm, I'm doing the podcast only every other week right now, I figured every other week I would put out an old episode and do this sort of, uh, commentary on it. Um, basically I'm, I listen to it and I'm taking notes about things I want to talk about. 
Uh, so that's that. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, uh, I really hope to do more improv with Courtney, uh, especially live on stage. That would be amazing. And, um, but even if I don't, I really hope I get to see Courtney do improv and I hope you do too. So, uh, keep on the lookout for Courtney nuding Farrell and whatever she might do, because whatever it is, it'll be fantastic. All right. Uh, you can find me, as always, at aaron-zvi-felder.com. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.